Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 162. Our Sunday worship service for April 26, 2020 is Aim High. It's the second in the series, Pray Like This. When we pray, who are we talking to? Okay, so our scripture today is Matthew 6, 9. And you know this one. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it might be that it's too familiar because if you're like me, if you grew up in church, you know what we're getting into. You know it's the Lord's Prayer. You've said it a million times. At least you've been aware of it for years and years and years and years, right? So it's easy to become so familiar with the Lord's Prayer in general and this part, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, to just sort of scoot by it. It almost seems like the wind-up pitch. It almost seems like the thing you say before you say something, like there's nothing there. For some people, that part at the beginning is the part you say where you're saying, okay, God, I know you're great. You know, hallowed be thy name. I know you're great. I'm not so great, that kind of a thing. In one way or another, it's easy to just scoot by it and not realize that there's something fundamental going on here that is absolutely transformational. Now, this whole series is going to take pieces of the Lord's Prayer and walk us through what they really mean, because I promise there is incredible gravitational pull, incredible meaning. There's so much depth in this. Now, think about it. Jesus said, when you pray, do it like this. So this is Jesus's blueprint for a prayer process that works. So none of it, exactly zero of it, is fluff. I mean, think about that with me. You know that Jesus wasn't that kind of a teacher anyway. Nothing was wasted. He didn't stand on formality. So none of this is flowery words just to get ready for the prayer process. There's meaning in all of it. And so if we're going to take this thing that we know so well, maybe too well, and unpack it into something incredibly powerful, The first thing that we need to do is be really intentional, really on purpose about each and every word. That's kind of a life lesson, isn't it? But before we get there, I want to talk about where this all begins, because this is the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name part. We're talking about God. Now, if you want to understand somebody's theology, there's all kinds of questions you can ask. Where do you worship? Who are your leaders? How does this work and that work? What day of the week? What books do you read? What do you wear? What's what's the thing? And there's a lot of really complicated works on theology and philosophy and spirituality and history and everything. There's so much homework you can do. And that's valid to get into a deep theological discussion and exploration about something. But I got to tell you, at the end of the day, you want to know about somebody's religious practice, their spiritual path. There's a simpler way to go. Here's the question. Instead of all of the complicated theology, ask this question. And maybe ask it to yourself, too. When you pray, who are you talking to? Think about it. If you ask that question, when you pray, who are you talking to? You are going to unpack so much of not just what that person thinks they're supposed to say about their religious path, but what they're actually doing. When you pray, who are you talking to? That's at the core of so much. Take a minute 
as we get into this, because in a way, that's what this first part of the prayer journey is about. Who are we talking to? When you, when you get into it, think about how you might have answered that question as a kid. Think about how you might have answered that question years ago or last year or earlier, you know? I betcha, as you have changed and grown, your understanding of who you're talking to when you pray has changed and grown too. It's interesting. Think about how it's going to go as you get smarter and smarter, spiritually speaking, because we all will, you know? And if you work on this with intention, you're going to get really good at answering that question in a way that moves you and inspires other people too. So think about it. And I want you to know that it's not just an intellectual exercise because here's the deal. Here's why this is important. And here's why Jesus starts the Lord's Prayer the pattern that we're all supposed to follow, he starts it with an understanding of God. Here's why. Because your ability to experience God, meaning your ability to have miracles in your life, healing in any situation, your ability for something that works on a spiritual level, for power, let's say, functionality, let's say, your ability to experience God is 100% mediated by your understanding of God. What I'm trying to say is, if you have a small, selfish, weird, manipulative idea of God, well, you don't have a lot of room for miracles. Your understanding of who it is, when you're ta- who you're talking to when you pray, your understanding of that is going to diminish or expand your ability to experience prayer that works, or more than that, a life that works. So that's what's on the table. That's why this is so important. And I got to tell you, that's why this is the key to the whole rest of the prayer process. So take a minute. Think about your answer to that question. Think about how that works. Now, we know Jesus's answer. At the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer, there's those first two words, and they're powerful words. Not accidental. Powerful words. And those words are, you know them. The words are, our Father. Now think about that, just that part right there, those two words. Jesus didn't use a word like emperor or grand poobah. He didn't say great energy wave. He didn't say vortex. He didn't say Joe Pesci. He didn't say anything else. You know what I mean? He used a parental term. That's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting in so many ways. And so as we start to figure out prayer that works and life that works, the bedrock of this whole thing is the idea that your God is a creator who loves you. Now, look, I don't know what kind of a relationship you've had with your biological parents, your earthly father and all that. And and I get it. Sometimes there's room for healing there. And I affirm that that healing can happen for you and all of that. But this is about what is your ultimate idea of what that perfect parent would be like, that loving creator idea. It's powerful that Jesus doesn't use a word like emperor. He uses a word like father. And in fact, you know this because you've been around the block a couple of times. Jesus doesn't even use the formal father, does he? He says Abba because it's a baby talk word. It doesn't even mean father. It means daddy. No Barrier, no boundary, no formality, no hierarchy, just love. Just that simple love of baby talk, that simple love of a well-loved child and a loving parent. That's what's on the table. So at the beginning of this whole journey, 
is the idea that there is a creator who loves you, a creator who you share something with. And that's not the only reason that that word father is so important. It's also important because everyone in the crowd who heard him and everyone listening to this today, you've got some kind of a concept of what it means to be a daddy. Not a lot of people can can get down with the idea of what an emperor might be. Not a lot of people are emperors in the crowd. You know what I mean? Not a lot of people grand poobahs in the crowd or whatever else. But a good percentage of the people then and a good percentage of the people now know what it is to be a father. Whether or not their particular experience was super healthy all the time, you know what the idea is, right? This is interesting. I got to tell you, something happened to me when doctor put a baby in my arms, you know? It, it's an amazing thing, and, and I'm not the only parent to describe that process. It happens over and over and over again. It has happened throughout the history of humanity. It will happen forever. There's that thing that happens when you hold your baby. There's this incredible download of information and love and the idea that, okay, this is it in a way that no book can can describe, nobody can tell you about. It's just profound reality. You know, you ever have one of those moments that you just know this is real, you know, and having a baby put in your arms is one of those moments. So it might be that, that part of the reason that we're using the word father is the idea that you have this a priori knowledge. In other words, this experience that nobody can tell you about, it's just part of you. It's just on the inside. You know what it is to love somebody. You know what it is to want to take care. And now look, I know that not everybody listens to that call. I get it. Sometimes people have emotional baggage and ego stuff and control issues and who knows what else that gets in the way. But in general, everybody has that call. Look, I've made all kinds of mistakes as a dad, and I'm sure I will make more even though my kids are grown now. But one thing I am proud of is that I have really tried to let that call that comes from inside, I have really tried to let that call be more important to me and more of what I focus on rather than my own issues. I haven't always done it, but I sure have tried, and I'm proud of that. God is a father. You know what it is to have an experience of fatherhood that works, is what Jesus is saying in part. And as a sidebar, perhaps, part of what he's saying, too, is maybe we should take care of each other. I got to tell you, I'm so sick of posts on Facebook where somebody says, well, I take care of my kids. You're supposed to. That's your job. You owe them that. And by the way, let's, let's try to have less complaining about our kids because... You owe them that. It's like complaining about having to breathe all day. Of course you do. So just find a place and a way in which you can love. And it's not just that God is a father, a daddy, a loving creator, but also that God is our father. And at the bedrock of this whole thing is the idea of a shared experience, that we're all in this together. And think about the way that together we form the body of Christ. Think about the way that we are all a tribe and we experience these things together. And that might seem like a funny thing. I mean, sometimes when people think of Christians, they think of division. They think of walls being put up. They think of judging other people. But I need you to know with me that that is nowhere 
in the Lord's Prayer, and it is nowhere in the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Over and over and over and over again was the idea that we're all in this together. And you know what? Jesus didn't even invent that. If you go back even further to the story of Adam and Eve, did you know that the name Adam literally means the common clay, right? And it doesn't just mean the common clay. Literally, we don't have exactly a word for it in English, but the basic idea is if it, it means something like if you were to take clay from every single part of the world and put it together and make this. That's what the name Adam means. In other words, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you're going. We are all part of this same one thing, and that's really important. You can talk about judging other people, hating other people, fearing other people, and I will say to you those two words, our Father. How can you fear somebody? How can you be a racist in the face of our Father? You could come up with com complicated arguments for why one person is better than the other, and my response is going to be our Father. Find a way at the beginning of your prayer journey to incorporate an idea that God loves us and that we are all part of a family. That's how this works. And so we begin to have an idea about how or who, rather, this person is, this, this God is that we're talking to when we pray. But there's more to say, because when you're trying to understand who somebody is, the next question might be, well, how do I find them? Where do they live? How does that work? And that's why the who art in heaven comes next. And think about the fact that throughout humanity, we've been wrestling with this, where do I go to get God challenge? I think at the beginning, in more of a tribal idea, the idea of a god might be something that you see every day. You read about people worshiping a special tree in a special location, for example, because they see it. And there's some power there. I kind of get it. I mean, this tree has been here longer than us. It gives us life and shade and light. That seems important. I love that. I love that you can be close to it. You can make offerings to it. Convenient. I get it. One-stop shop. But there's a challenge, too, because, you know, it, it's a tree. But also a deeper challenge, because what happens if there's a forest fire? What happens if you have to move? What happens if something changes? And you know, if you've ever watched the Discovery Channel, that sometimes tribes have to move when the, the hunting isn't good anymore, the crops aren't good anymore, something changes. So that idea of a big physical thing that I see every day as my God is limited because it doesn't respond well to change, and life changes. We want change, you know? And so, over time, people develop a different kind of an idea. They develop a God who's not a, a, a thing, but rather the next evolutionary idea in spirituality is you see people come up with the idea of a God who's up in the sky somewhere. You see, you see people evolve into a sun god idea, for example. Moon, stars, those kinds of things, somewhere up in the sky. And that works pretty good because no matter where I am, God is still there. There's a concept of connection and unity because it's the same sky over everybody. I like that. But it's hard to have it matter because God's way up in the balcony somewhere, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't really do anything for me. And instead, at the same time, you see the evolution into a sky god idea. You see something that you didn't see with the tree kind of a god idea. The thing that you see now is fear. Nobody's afraid of a tree. But people can be afraid of this thing in the sky that gives life and death and all of that and doesn't do much good. 
there is, in the evolution of our understanding of where God lives, another leap that happens. And I know it's very tempting to say, yes, and that's where we are. In the 21st century, we have this idea of, of God who, who can be interacted with in a different way than a physical thing or up in the sky somewhere. And aren't we great? And you're great. But think with me about how many people are still worshiping a tree. Maybe not literally a tree, but metaphorically some physical object that's in their world already. How many people worship their bank account? How many people live and die by the approval of others? How many people do everything based on some physical object or some physical set of attributes? I measure my self-worth by how many crunches I can do, for example, or whatever it is. Those things don't respond well to change. They can't really tell you who you are, but a lot of people do that. And as far as the sky, God, gosh, how many people spend time measuring themselves and doing things that sure look a lot like worship about some unattainable thing somewhere else? I live and die by my five-year plan. All I shoot for is that retirement. Well, if all you're thinking about is that, you're not doing the things you need to do right now to make yourself a better person. You won't know it when you see it. You know what I mean? So we are evolved, but maybe we got some more growing to do is all I'm trying to say. But there is this leap that comes with a different idea of where God might live, and it has to do with the idea that, yes, God is everywhere, but I deal with God, I encounter God, I experience God in my heart, everywhere and in here. That's the next level. Now remember, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Think about that. Think about what that means, because there are so many people that are spending so much time trying to get to some destination when here's God going, what, you can't see me? Is this hide and seek? Is this peekaboo? If you want to be spiritual... If you want to have a life that works, if you want to pray an effectual prayer, here's something to think about. Stop trying to get somewhere and start realizing that you are somewhere. Stop trying to get somewhere and start trying to realize that you are somewhere because God is already here. If you can't see God here, it doesn't matter if you win the lottery, man, you know? There's no destination that's going to scratch the itch for you until you can see something wonderful and divine right here. Our Father who art in heaven, right here. And that, wow, that really changes things if you can start working on that idea. And how do I work on that idea? Well, start trying to see that happening. Start trying to see moments in your life as gifts from God. Start trying to eliminate dualistic, distance-based language from your vocabulary. Now, that's a lot of things. So what I'm trying to say is stop talking about good as somewhere else. Start trying to see good right here. And there's big ways you can do that. I bet you've already got some ideas of some changes, some modifications you can make and all of that. But stop talking about energy. You know, I, you know it's a pet peeve of mine. You heard me say that before. Somebody say, wow, the energy is just so great in this room. And what does that mean? You paid your electric bill? What, what is that? The vibrations are so intense in here. Well, maybe there's an earthquake. I'm concerned. The thing is, if it can be measured with physical instruments, then it's a physical thing. And God is not that. God is not limited by the laws of physics. God doesn't live in a Himalayan salt lamp. This is not about the vibes, and it's not about the energy. If it can be measured that way, it is a limited 
idea. Oh, the vibrations are so good. Well, does that mean that if I operate a jackhammer, I'm closer to God? No, it doesn't really mean that. Okay, well then let's not say that anymore. Find a way to eliminate dualistic, material-based words from your vocabulary. It's not about energy. It's not about vibes. It's about awareness. Because if God is already everywhere, let's stop praying for that and start praying for being aware. Don't say the vibes are good in a room or the energy is good in a room. That's meaningless. Instead, say, you know what? I'm aware of God in this room. And work on being aware of God wherever you happen to be. Our Father who art in heaven. Our loving creator who's right where we are. May I see that. That's the beginning of something powerful instead of me chasing my tail for the rest of my life, you know? That's what's, what's on the table. But then there's that last part, that hallowed be thy name part. And that's important because I can say, okay, there's this big, wonderful thing. God is right here. But there's a lot of things that are right here that aren't very special. There's McDonald's on every street corner. Doesn't mean it's good food, you know? So we need something to go along with that imminence, that right here nature of God. Because that's the who art in heaven part. I need to expand that out to also remember that this is something powerful and special and magic and wonderful, right? So that's the hallowed be thy name part. It's the balance, imminence and transcendence, as they say. I think that when you think about the story of Moses going up and seeing the burning bush and all of that, it seems pretty clear that Moses was pretty comfortable with the Our Father part. And it seems like he was pretty comfortable with the Who Art in Heaven part. But he needed some work in the Hallowed Be Thy Name part, which is why when he encounters God in the burning bush, God says, Take off thy sandals from thy feet, for the place you stand is holy ground. In other words, this is a special moment. This isn't a mundane or a commonplace moment. Take your shoes off. In other words, let there be no barriers between you and God. And so when I say, hallowed be thy name, what I'm saying is, may I remember that this is special. Take some time. I know the world is weird right now and you're stuck at home and you've probably watched everything Netflix has to offer. I get it. I'm there with you. But take a minute and go, how can I remember that this is special? Because it is. And it will be special to the degree that you acknowledge that it is. How can I remember in my prayer time and in my living time that God's here and that this is special? Because when I say, hallowed be thy name, I'm trying to say, I remember that the name of God is a word of power. And what's God's name? Do you know this one? It comes right after that Moses in the burning bush part. Moses says, okay, well, what should I tell people? Who should I say sent me? You know that part. Go find it. God says, I am. That's God's word for God. We have a lot of fancy words for God, all kinds of words. But when God is asked, God says, my name is I am. That's the balance. That's the whole thing. Imminence and transcendence and presence and power and the whole enchilada in that moment. Here's what I'm trying to say. You ready? You are the place where God shows up. That's the deal. God's not on a mountaintop any more than he's in your heart. God's not across the sea any more than he's in your living room. That's what's on the table right now. 
And so I want you to try and pray every day, just like we've been talking about. Take some time and talk to God. But now I want you to evolve that prayer idea into including the concept that God is your loving creator, that daddy, that Abba, that love presence that we all have in common. I want you to incorporate that idea that there is something powerful right here, something wonderful right here. And then I want you to show up for your life. That's the key to everything. You want happiness. You want prosperity. You want success. You want true love. You want freedom. Start there. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube or you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.